0: you know it takes amazing courage and commitment for an individual to dare to explore the mystery of life of god and of the universe but there are some who aren't satisfied with doing anything less as they understand that the exploration and the investigation and asking the questions is vital to their own existence and to all of us Well, I am speaking with one of those individuals right now, a stellar man who for most of his life has made that exploration a centerpiece of his journey. I am so delighted to welcome Mr. Eric von Daniken to our program today, direct from snowy Zurich, Switzerland. Welcome, Eric.
1: Welcome. It's a pleasure for me to talk to you.
0: Oh, and likewise. What a treat. Well, listen. There's, there's no doubt. Most, if not all, of our audience are well acquainted with your wonderful work. Of course, your Chariots of the God, uh, Chariots of the Gods, I should say, is the cornerstone of this ever-expanding field of ancient history. Inclusive of which is the idea that non-human intelligence has and continues to be a major part of the story of our reality and the story of us. Eric, why do you think it's so important for us to understand that story today and to know? Uh, the history that you've been able to so brilliantly investigate. What does this all mean for
1: us? It is part of uh, intelligence to be curious. Curiosity is like a monster in our brain. We cannot stop curiosity. Every intelligent being is curious. So being curious, we learn that many of our answers are not satisfying. We have a lot of question marks and we want to be satisfied. We want to ask for more questions. We wish more clear and definitive answers. That's why I was looking for God. I was looking for the exorcist. I was wondering, who am I? Where do I come from? Where do we come from? What's the purpose of life? What do we do here? Why do we exist, etc.? So, all these questions are part of curiosity and I try to find some answers
0: we sure have and as I listen to the passion in your voice I can may I say 84 years young listen to you just incredible passion and I have to tell you your passion is over and above what so many I think Eric are not they may have the questions but you you have been fearless in in searching uh, for answers and again I think it's uh, it's quite interesting now I think people do have questions but maybe not as courageous as you in in your search
1: so, <laughs> what yes, do you have to what, say? What, and, uh, you know, I was educated in Switzerland as a strict Catholic. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, my father brought me to a boarding school led by Jesuits. There we had to translate parts of the Bible, Greek to Latin, Latin to German. And of a sudden, I had doubts in my own Catholic education. You know, for me, as a boy, and still as a man, God is the greatest thing whatever exists. Mm. I have no idea what God is. I have no definition of God, but I know this spiritual being, which we call God, does exist, must exist, because the universe exists. But my God, when I was a boy, did not need a vehicle in which to move around, around from point A to point B. God is all over. Now, by making translations of the Bible, I learned that the God of the ancient testament comes down with smoke, fire, trembling, loud noise. He comes on the mountain, and uh, the mountain was burning like a burn-age, etc. So simply I had difficulties in my own religious education. I said to me, is this God, mm-hmm. or are they writing about something else? So I was wondering what do other communities in antiquity say about their beginning, about their gods, and all these, you know, doubts were the starting point for chariots of the gods at all of my life Mm.
0: you said that beautifully actually that was the next question i was going to ask god has been the cornerstone of your search and i i think you pretty much answered it i was going to ask do you think you've come any closer to having an understanding of the relationship that we have with this this source i like to call it universe i think the words are really not important and and perhaps what relationship do the beings, that which we're talking about, the so-called ETs, what relationship do you think they have with this source?
1: Well, you, you know, and everybody knows, I have suggested some 50 years ago that this planet was visited by beings from outer space. Now, let's imagine for a second that this uh, assumption would be correct. So the next question should be, where do these extraterrestrials come from? Now, maybe they have been visited by another solar system. Where did the others come from? Et cetera, et cetera. You can play back this game for millions and millions of Mm -hmm. years. Finally, you arrive to a starting point. And there, in all respect, with religions, you say, here we have creation, here we have God. Now you ask, what is our relation with this spiritual being what is the relation of these extraterrestrials in my feeling but this is feeling this is not science Mm -hmm. in my feeling i feel that we are microscopical little parts of this uh, being which we call god we all together are god and this includes extraterrestrials this has nothing to do with becoming arrogant We are nothing. We are microscopical little being. But the whole universe, all the stars, all the planets, all the beings, all the animals, all the humans, the extraterrestrials, we all are part of what we call God. But God is the spiritual being. God is the starting point.
0: I agree with you wholeheartedly. And what you're saying, Eric, has... Absolute holographic implications. This is an area that I've explored a bit and find fascinating. And I, uh, I, I think of a quote by William Blake, and I'm I always botch it. It's it's from a a poem that he wrote. The universe is literally within a grain of sand, and if we are uh, grains of sand, if you will, there's a, there's the whole that is within all of us. It's very interesting. There's a symbiotic relationship, it seems, between between the grains of sand and God. The micro and the, and the macro, so. You know, here's something else uh, I'd like to ask you in terms of, you know, we have these terms that we use, ET. I prefer to say non-human intelligence or NHI because after all it could very well be that are they extraterrestrial as we understand it to be. There's extra-dimensional, inter-dimensional, you name it, everything in between. But referring to them as visitors, um, I have to tell you for some reason The term visitor never sat well with me, and I'm not entirely sure why. Somehow, I don't think that they ever were visitors, but maybe neighbors, maybe even a part of the human family. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I don't know. I know in the past, and this is my speciality, we have been visited by visitors. How do I know this? Because some of the humans had personal contact with these visitors. They asked them questions. They asked them, where do you come from? None of them said, from another continent, or from, from another time, we are time traveller, or from Atlantis. They all pointed to the stars and said, we came from there. In some of the discussions, they even give names of some uh, stars, but the names mean nothing to us. So, there were visitors, they were touchable, they have come down with smoke and fire and trembling and loud noise and all these things. But all this does not exclude that at the same time, or in our time, there are complete different beings which visit in a way as telepathically Mm -hmm. or in a spiritual form. But thousands and thousands of years ago, we had some of them in the human form. Uh, By the way, why humans? That's again a theory which is called panspermia. Mm -hmm. It was spread out by Professor uh, Dr. Savante Arenius. He was a Swedish Nobel Prize uh, winner. But that's another story. Yeah, that's a
0: big one. I'm familiar with that name. Well, let's uh I want to briefly this is this is kind of a quick interview that we're having today and I hope we have a chance to talk more when we see each other at Conscious Life Expo coming up. But for now, I want to try to pack in a bunch of questions in a short period of time. Let's briefly touch Eric on some some of the criticism to put it mildly that you've endured over the years for your initial work in chariots of the gods. I know you've really been put through the paces over the years, and I've no doubt that's made you even more determined to carry this great work forward. You know, I recall particularly a time when you said, despite the fact that Chariots, the book, had more sentences that ended with a question mark, even the title, than anything you've even ever read. (laughs) But you still got the condemnation and the denunciation. It still continued unabated. Where do you think this still dogged resistance to explore, like you have, comes from with us humans? Is this part of our DNA? What's going on with people?
1: <laughs> you yes, see, so, uh, Chariots of the Gods, which is now more than 50 years old. Mm-hmm. In this book, I had 238 question marks. Yeah. Nobody saw the question mark. I was simply attacked and accused by, uh, they said, Von Denikin says, but he has no proof. But I had a lot of question marks, and I still have a lot of question marks, by the way. Mm. So I am sure we were visited. These visitors beheld themselves like today's ethnologists would do. They studied a few groups, a few humans, learned a few languages, they took a few personalities out of our society they teach them in their language they teach them in writing they teach them in astronomy they teach them in engineering and they brought them back to our society Mm -hmm. and in our society they have worked as teachers later some of them were called prophets but these teachers were humans normal humans like you and i persons who were very curious but the extraterrestrials were their teachers and before the extraterrestrials left our planet They promised to our forefathers in the far future we'll return. Mm. And I have the feeling at the moment we are again under observation. You do
0: right now. Well, that's an interesting thing. I'd love to have you elaborate on that a little bit. You have a feeling that we're under observation. Are they here? Are they here now? Do you think
1: that? Yeah, that's what I think. You know, uh, in the past, every culture had this uh, belief of expectation that somebody will return. You know, roughly 400 years ago, when when, uh, Francisco Pizarro, Pizarro was the the Spanish conqueror Mm -hmm. who uh, uh, came to first time to South America, to Peru. When he landed on the coastline of today's Peru, the natives, which was the Inca, they all fell down on their knees. They believed that Francisco Pizarro is the long-awaited God who finally returned. The same thing happened in Mexico. You know, Diego de Landa, again a Spanish man, came together with Moctezuma. Moctezuma was the ruler, he was not just a, a layperson, the ruler of the Aztec. He also fell down on his knees. He believed that Diego de Lando is the long-awaited god who finally returned. Now go far away, South Sea, Hawaii. The British uh, explorer uh, Sir Francis Cook arrived for the first time in Hawaii. What happens? The natives fell down on her knee, they believed, Finally, the long-awaited God has returned. So I could repeat these mm. stories a hundred times. It doesn't matter. Whenever the first contact happened with the higher technology and with the lower technology, the lower technology always believed that the higher technology is some long-awaited God who returns. And we still have this today in every living religion. Absolutely. I am educated as a Christian. We Christians believe that Jesus will return. But the Muslim society believes that their Mahadi will (laughs) return. We know the great Jewish community believes that their Messiah will return. Or the Buddhists believe that Buddha will return. Every living religion still has this expectation that somebody will return. Now, of course, not every religion can be right. Some of them must be wrong. And I am afraid we are all wrong. Neither Jesus nor Mahadi nor Buddha nor Messiah will return, but some extraterrestrials. And I have the feeling, because of hundreds of indications, that we are under observation again. Mm-hmm. Somebody is learning our language like they did it in the past. Somebody is studying our political and religious systems, our weapons. Could it be a danger for them? Somebody is maybe studying our bacterias, our viruses. Could we be a danger for them? Et etc. Yeah. I have the feeling we are on the observation.
0: Very interesting. Well, oh boy, there's a lot there that I'd love to to pluck out. Uh, in terms of Eric, for millennia, the the uh, what should I say? People wanting to see a return of their deity. That, Gosh. in and of itself, I I question. Are we still looking to others? For our own salvation is there something to be gleaned and to be learned from that i don't yeah. know that's a that's a whole other philosophical discussion
1: i mean uh, i don't know we know we have problems on this planet mm. we have problems like pollution etc climate and all these things we have problems now the others who are far uh, ahead of us in in evolution they had these problems too in their past so once we have contact with them we can ask them how have you solved these problems we have to solve them. we have to do the job by ourselves that's right nobody will solve our problems for us we have to do it but by being in contact we would learn what possibilities do we have how have they done it and at the same thing since mankind exists we are always fighting against each other mostly <coughs> because of some religious You know only my god is the only one now only my god is the only one and in the name of whatever god is we fight against each other or we fight because we have different colors races and so soon as we are in contact with extraterrestrials we will realize we all are the intelligent being on this little bull called planet earth it doesn't matter if you are black or white or red or catholics or Muslims, or whatever. We all, we are the intelligent beings of this little planet. I could not go and talk to an extraterrestrial and tell him, listen, I am Catholic, Christian, (laughs) and I am white, and only my opinion is the only correct one. All the others are wrong. They would say to me, what do you believe Do you are? You little nothing. So we have to learn to be united. I absolutely
0: agree. Oh boy, oh boy. Everyone in the audience hear that loud and clear. What will it take for this divisiveness that has gotten so out of hand, I think now more than ever, to bring this together? And I dare say nothing short of a visit, unequivocally. that. Look, I know you know, in our community of ufology, this whole idea of disclosure, when will it happen? As a matter of fact, I just spoke to another mutual colleague and friend, Jimmy Church, who was just on my show, Mr. Church, says hello, by the way. And you know you're obviously aware of the big so-called big news that happened last year uh, with the release of the Pentagon secret UFO program, et cetera. But this wasn't enough, Eric. We need uh, a ubiquitous uh, yes, uh, yes. controvertible you, know, you know disclosure or, or to know that they're there. You,
1: you, you see the problem is every journalist and every scientist wants to be a, a reasonable, serious person. Now, the UFO case, since 50 years or 60 years, has to be made unreasonable. So, nobody wants to be unreasonable. Nobody wants to be ridiculed. And that's why the UFO and the the case of the extraterrestrials was unreasonable. So, all the scientists and all the, the clever journalists were afraid to deal with it, to go into the subject. This has to be changed. Absolutely. The spirit of time has to be changed. our scientific community, our clever journalists, they learn UFO and extraterrestrials is not something unreasonable. It is reasonable. It is not something to be ridiculed. You have to take it serious. That's a changing of the spirit of time, and we are in the middle of it. I
0: agree. Oh, boy, so well said. I absolutely agree. I was saying to someone the other day, or maybe I wrote it down, I can't recall, but something to the effect of, imagine, the very thing that is probably the most important to our human family and to life itself is the most dismissed. It's the most dismissed through ridicule, the, the the giggle factor, the single most important thing that can change the paradigm entirely. Imagine that. What's causing that? And I don't know that you can even answer that uh, in this one well, conversation, but...
1: I know that uh, in, in the 1953, there was a so-called uh, Robertson report. Mm-hmm. This is uh, some of the, of the UFO papers which have uh, become free. And there, the CIA, now this is 60 years ago or more, even 70 years ago, the CIA has given order to all its officers worldwide to make the UFO thing uh, uh, ridiculed. Mm. all the people who defend ufos have to be ridiculed so it was an order some, some 60 70 years ago and since that time we do not take the ufo case for serious and that's exactly what has to change and we are in the middle of this change i agree i feel it look i'm an old man but i have invitations for speeches worldwide and for organizations and universities which some 20 years ago would never have invited Eric von Däniken. The spirit of time. We, in German language, we say der Zeitgeist. Yes, The spirit of time has changed. The time has become opener. And now we start to listen and to think about these things. Interesting that you
0: should bring up time because my next question has to do with Chariots of the Gods? Question mark. <laughs> I love it in the title. It was initially titled Memories of the Future, Unsolved Mysteries yeah. of the Past, which I think is incredibly interesting in its implications just, just by that title alone. And then I heard you once say, Eric, my desire is to change the spirit of time. So in your quest to understand all of this, does time and moreover, man's concept of time, do you think we need to be looking at time differently? Is time what we truly think it is? Join us for the 17th annual Conscious Life Expo, February 22nd through the 25th in Los Angeles. This is the largest consciousness event of its kind, with 200 exhibitors and over 150 lectures, workshops, and special events. Hear from leading speakers and teachers, including Marianne Williamson, David Wilcock, Anita Morjani, Nassim Harriman, Eric Von Daniken, Linda Moulton-Howe, and Deborah King. Visit ConsciousLifeExpo.com to secure your place for the transformational event of the year.
1: It's all a question of evolution. You know, when I made chariots of the grass long time ago, space travel seems to be unreasonable, unreasonable for every reasonable person. I mean, the distances in light years, nobody can reach this distance. There is no technology. In the meantime, we see it is possible to reach these distances. Or extraterrestrials generally seem to be unreasonable. In the meantime, we say, come on, even by... Philosoph- philosophical thinking and statistical thinking, we cannot be alone. Also, we have no scientific contact at the moment with extraterrestrials. The time has changed. Or I suggested some, some 60 years ago that there was an influence in our uh, uh, evolution. We are the product of evolution, definitely, mm-hmm. but not only there was always an influence. it with an apple tree, we have an apple tree and we know the apple tree has an evolution on this planet. So scientists could go back and find out how many thousands or hundred thousand years ago is the oldest apple tree. But finally, in the evolution of the apple tree, we have made a change simply by grafting. By doing grafting, you don't even need to know something about the genetic code. Mm-hmm. We have changed the apple, so that it's not contradict the evolution of apple. The apple has its evolution. Like we humans, we have evolution. So, I suggested this 60 years ago. I was crushed down completely. The scientific community said that would mean we had to go inside the cell, to change something inside the cell. Sixty years ago, we didn't know nothing about DNA. This was coming much, much later. In the meantime, we know we can change the the cell. It is possible. possible. We could theoretically change the, the evolution of any animal, if we wish. And somebody else has done it with us a long time ago. I agree. That's a question of time.
0: Yeah, well, it certainly is. And it's also a question of genetically modified. (laughs) We know we have genetically modified uh, food. Why not genetically modified humans? And the question becomes, are some of us modified? Are they looking to modify us? This this begs a whole other question in terms of Of changing the trajectory of evolution. I think left alone, there's a natural evolutionary phase. But we know, Eric, that that uh, so-called certain factions have been tinkering uh, with all sorts of species for years. And this brings in the whole idea of hybrids, does it not?
1: Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's amazing. Yeah,
1: that's, you know, this uh, g- changing of the genetic code is a question of our today. It is actual. It is It is, in every scientific newspaper, you speak about this, we know in the meantime we can do it. We know how we can do it. We know it is easier than we thought two years ago. We know it is easier to change some of the DNA you know, uh, code. Mm-hmm. We can do it, and others have done it. Yes. Without the influence of extraterrestrials, I think we would still be a kind of uh, a higher developed uh, form of aid. Really?
0: That's a yeah. big statement. Wow. Well, I'll tell you something with all of what we're talking about, there's one word or one thought that comes to mind. I've heard you say this so many times, how approaching all of this with a humble attitude is so key for all of us. Man needs to learn humility. And there's something that I say often, uh, and I quoted. it as been saying, is simply when daring to explore the true nature of reality, humility is a universal mandate. Why is it, Eric, that so many are still so stuck in ego and loathe to embrace humility like you have?
1: It has to do with our education. Generally spoken, we have two sorts of human beings living on our planet. One group is educated in a, in a religious way. It doesn't matter what religion. The other group is educated in a scientific way. Now, the religious group, have been told, God made everything. He made the stars, the planets, the plants, the trees. He made all the animals, but as crown of creation, he made us. The scientific community says, now it's all evolution, it's all mutation, uh, 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 so, uh, uh, separation, etc. But we are the top of evolution. Have you ever remarked that in both cases, if you look at it religiously, crown of creation, mm. scientifically, top of evolution, in both cases, we look at ourselves as the greatest Something like us does not exist anymore. We think. You know, we have become very egoistic. We think we are the greatest thing in the universe. So we have a psychological problem. We don't want extraterrestrials. Mm As soon as we accept them, and we know their technology is higher uh, than ours, we know we are not the greatest. So we have to solve this. We have to come very, very humble. We have to learn. We are... In fact, an intelligent species with curiosity in our brain, we are able to do fantastic and great things, and we have done fantastic and great things in the past. But this is not the end of the universe. That's right. We are just in the middle of it. We have to come humble to get in contact with others, to learn from them, etc., etc.
0: Oh boy, are you right? You're saying so many important things, and I just I said a prayer before we went on the air. Please, God, let this conversation go where it needs to go and let the people that will listen to it get something substantial out of it. And you've said so many important things that we really need to, to start to uh, take action on. Well, we were talking about time. And speaking of time, we're almost out of it for today. But before I let you go, I have to ask you probably the most important question of all. And that is, ready? <laughs> um, yes. Are you wearing a watch right now?
1: Of course, <laughs> I'm wearing an Omega watch oh, wait, was on the moon.
0: Don't don't blow the story. I got to hold on a second. I want you to tell that story. A little bird told me that the watch you're wearing has a little story behind it. Can you share the story with us about that watch you're yes, wearing?
1: <laughs> w- w- very shortly no Many years ago, I was in Hollywood. I don't even remember the the luxury hotel, and my my book company at that time, the paper book, uh, a bantam book, had just sold one million copies of Chariots of the Gods. Wow. And in one of the other tables, there were another group sitting, and among them, there were some American astronauts, among among them Neil uh, uh, Armstrong. And we came together and said, you wrote Chariots of the God? That's fantastic, you are a Swiss man. And I had just received the one million copy. He said, if you give me the one million copy, I give you back the Swiss watch, which belongs theoretically to Switzerland, because the company Omega is a Swiss company. So he gave me his watch and they gave him my book. Isn't that? so? I have a watch which was on the moon?
0: Oh my gosh, that I didn't know. I'll tell you, well, Jimmy Church told me. He was the little bird that told me, make sure when you talk to Eric, you ask him about that watch. And he, he gave me a hint that it had something to do with an astronaut. And I said, don't tell me anymore. I'm going to let Eric tell me himself. Now everybody in the audience okay. knows. What a story. Eric von Daniken. What an absolute treat it's been to have you here today. And I'm so delighted, so delighted that we're going to be meeting up soon at the upcoming Conscious Life Expo in Los Angeles, where you will be celebrated along with the 50th anniversary of Chariots of the Gods. What an accomplishment. You'll also be giving a keynote workshop entitled, I believe, The Gods Were Astronauts. I know both of these are going to be an absolute treat. Listen, I would encourage everyone to visit Mm ConsciousLifeExpo.com to learn more about Eric's appearance there. And the conference itself, it's always a great event. And I'm looking forward forward to meeting you there, sir. This has been great. I thank you ever so much.
1: Okay, I mean, you're there. Thank you for your interview. Thank you for your help. You are a brilliant personality.
0: Oh, ditto. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> Tough. Don't hang up yet. Don't hang up. I'm going to say goodbye to the audience and then we'll have a proper goodbye. So thanks everyone for joining us and we will talk to you soon. Take care.